0: Welcome to the Everything Podcast, the place for everything education. Whether you're a first-year teacher or a seasoned educator, our mission is to help you
1: employ smart strategies in and out of the classroom. We firmly believe that teacher burnout isn't inevitable. Part inspiration and part implementation, we discuss the why and how to make your classroom effective and sustainable. We're your hosts, Danielle and Nicole. Welcome back to another episode of the Everything Podcast. How are you, Danielle?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: Hanging in there, back to school, thinking about all of the ways we can engage our parents. And I know that for those that are listening, we're, we have all the questions, all of the concerns. And today's topic is certainly top of mind. I know we've had offline discussions about it. And we're hearing from teachers about this exact question of back to school and how to make it work. We should also reference a previous podcast episode that we did all about back to school and may have some nice tie-ins there.
0: (laughs) And it was a long time ago.
1: It was. that
0: We recorded that. In fact, it feels like an entire lifetime ago. I feel like everything pre-coronavirus seems like a lifetime ago, though.
1: This Um, is true.
0: Which episode are you talking about? Because I think there's another one we'll have to mention, too.
1: Ooh, I was referring to getting back to school and the parent-teacher night, which we spent a lot of time talking about procedures and the ways to engage parents in a, a physical space, which is yes. not, not today's topic, not at all. Right.
0: And I think that when we recorded that episode, we really wanted to make sure that we were bringing our perspective as veteran teachers to the topic, especially to calm the nerves of our first year instructors, right? I think that, you know, back to school night or meet the teacher or whatever your school decides to call it, so stressful, right? Um, A new school year is always kind of, you know, anxiety producing. And I think that when you're in a room full of parents instead of the students that you interact with on a daily basis, it just increases that stress level. And when I was thinking about this episode, because we are really invested on making those relationships with parents even stronger at a time when we might not see them or our students in a physical space. We wanna make sure everybody's on the the same page, on the same team, right from the very beginning. I thought of our episode with Kara Piper, the virtual elementary school teacher, (laughs) she talked extensively about how she works with her parents. And that's in a little bit of a different context, right? All of those parents have signed up for this type of relationship voluntarily um, because of their life circumstances and that's what they prefer. So we want to take what we know about making it an effective back to school night and we wanna take what we are learning through our firsthand experience, from talking to other amazing educators, and figure out how we can make the most of virtual back to school night. Because as I was sitting down to prep for this episode, I was actually thinking about it. I don't think I'm ever going to go back to traditional back to school night as as it once looked. (laughs)
1: yeah it really is encouraging. I think that you know a lot of i think our our current and our future conversations are going to be about reframing mindset and the way that we 've used certain tasks and procedures that we normally do just based on the way that we 've always done it and now we 're being forced to really reexamine those things and if the quarantine if spring two thousand and twenty taught us anything is that we can make a lot of changes and adapt to meet the needs of whether it's the audience of our students, it's the audience of our administrators checking in on us, or the audience of our parents who perhaps did have some interaction with us during that time. And I think that, you know, there's a kind of a funny question that's going around on social media right now. What uh, what skill or what what thing do you do you intend to continue doing that you learned during quarantine? Yeah. And I feel like, you know, some of the answers are really funny. Of course, it's meant mm-hmm. to be question but it does make you sit and reflect on all of the ways that we've changed and really um, i think in a lot of ways uh, drowned out the noise and and started to really um, take a deeper look into what's important and and of course that connection is important and we're going to talk about that but i think what's really important what teachers and what parents are looking for is a true example as to what will happen in the classroom And I don't always feel like you get that at back to school night. I don't always
0: feel like that. Eight minutes that parents (laughs) spend in your classroom, if if you're a high school instructor and the parents are going through a student's entire schedule. That's what we're talking about, right? (laughs) Many schools are talking about five, eight, maybe if you're lucky, 12 minutes or something like that.
1: Which is simply not enough time. And of course, you've got the flurry of questions, people in the wrong spot at the wrong time. There's so many distractions. And I think that... No matter what the real, you know, meat of your lesson is for that night, or maybe you don't even have a lesson, maybe it's instead of Q&A, whatever that is, it's not really a true reflection of what you do in your classroom, right? There's so much else that goes into it. And of course, your online instruction is also going to look a bit different, I'm sure, as the school year evolves and things change and so on. But the fact that this interaction is sort of no distractions. Right exactly how it might be in a traditional, or I should say, our updated version of a traditional class. (laughs) Um, I think that that will really provide parents and guardians with an even clearer understanding of what they can expect from their child's experience in your room or virtual room.
0: So let's talk about all of the reasons why this actually is a step in the right direction. So if you're tuning into this episode because you want the tactics, we certainly will. We'll talk about what we think would be the best way to achieve our virtual back to school night, but before we do that, let's let's hype people up so they are excited about (laughs) virtual back to school night the way we are, because I think there's a lot of different products going around right now designed just to make your life easier to kind of just like check off the box of like yep I sent out the newsletter with my face for a virtual back to school night I'm done right and it doesn't have to be that way this is an excellent opportunity to really make the most of the technology right and even though this year many people will be doing this because they have to I hope that because of our list that we're providing you with, you decide that this is something you want to keep going for years to come, because even if parents can come in for a back to school night in person, they might not have an ideal experience, or not every parent might be able to come in. And that was the first one that I wrote down. One of the reasons I love this idea is because some parents can't make it to back to school night based on the hours that they work. Some parents can't make it to back to school night because they have to stay at home and watch the younger siblings. Or maybe they have two siblings in or more in the same school and they're splitting schedules. I have seen that many, many times where the mom comes up and introduces herself to me and apologizes that her husband is down on the first floor taking his son's science class at the same time. And I'm like, it's perfectly fine. But I think that also helps ease that parental guilt over that, which is so incredibly not necessary.
1: (laughs) I couldn't agree more. And I've heard it from the parents as well. I couldn't be there, right? I get, you know, a list of emails afterwards or before preparing me that they won't be able to meet me the night of. And of course, Mm -hmm. parent communities and all that looks different depending on your school. And For those that maybe don't have such an involved parent community that maybe you don't get a big turnout anyway, perhaps this will be a way to really get a much larger presence from your parents to either record or to give a recap, whatever that might look like. As you said, Danielle, whether it's for this year or it's maybe the way that you're starting to reshape the way that you do back to school night in general, as you mentioned, this is how you're about to, to change the way that you've done it in the past. And I think that's a great, great way to see it.
0: I definitely plan on doing a hybrid back to school night to be more inclusive of everybody from this point on. It's one of those things that it didn't occur to me. Like as teachers, we know that not all parents can come, but it didn't kind of like manifest itself as a problem that I could easily solve. Mm. I just took this one additional step. Um, Speaking of problems that could be easily solved, I know one of the things that we touched on in that very first episode that we did about making sure that you feel prepared for back to school night is even though it's going to feel wasteful and it probably is going to be wasteful, making sure that you have copies and the extra copies of whatever you have to provide. Because when you're running low, it makes the situation (laughs) so much more difficult and so much more awkward for you. And I know that at the end of the day, that ultimately having those extra copies on my desk will save my sanity and I wind up repurposing them for my like welcoming new students packets. It's another episode that we've done. Oh man, (laughs) we do not have it all today.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I love the idea of saving paper. I think that is an excellent, excellent point. It certainly adds to the level of preparation that you feel you know must be done. And, and the truth is, once you've made all those copies, any updates, any changes that you want to make to your syllabus and so on, you're less likely to do it because you don't want to make the change on the paper in the 85 copies that you have. So any of those more top-of-mind changes that you want to make, I, I'm i guilty of it. You know what? I'm not going to make that change because I already made the copies. <laughs> and even though I've gotten the feedback, I'm not going to change it. And that's, you know, that maybe that says more about me, but...
0: <laughs> but it also says that you know that everybody else is at the copy machine right leading up to oh yeah. back-to-school night, too. Because everybody else who has been through this a few times is like, oh, don't want to have to run out between period five and six because I you know, ran low on English one syllabi.
1: And speaking of those that have been through this a few times, we know that <laughs> it's funny when you can almost anticipate based on the student which parent is also going to ask you if they may borrow a pen. <laughs>
0: yes. yes. So one of the issues with distributing that paper syllabus um is that the parents then want to write on it, which I like to see because it sends the signal to me that they're engaged and they're listening and they do want to, you know, make sure that they're taking the correct steps, but they're gonna ask you or they're gonna ask that parent next to them if they could borrow him pen because they're like, oh gosh, I didn't realize I had to take notes and they feel that they need to because everybody else is doing it. So yes, it gets rid of that problem. And speaking of apple doesn't fall far from the tree, um, if you've been through this a few times, you know you're gonna have the late arrivals. Oh, Whether yeah. It's the late arrivals because they had to come to back to school night late, because they are coming directly from a shift at their job, or they just couldn't find the room. They don't navigate these hallways all the time, and that can be difficult, or they may have been that lingerer in the last classroom, which we addressed, in a previous episode, so we won't go into ways to deal with that, but for a myriad of reasons, you can almost guarantee that you will have late arrivals, and now if we're thinking about it in this virtual space, you don't need to worry about that. They can come whenever. Exactly,
1: exactly, which I feel like really flows nicely into the next point, which is this entire lesson, if you will, can be referred to later or rewatched, which definitely um, caters to those who aren't able to attend, those who are late, those who may have forgotten a pen, (laughs) all of the the above (laughs) that may be the typical culprits of those um, issues. And instead, just really giving, again, more of an inclusive approach to keeping this information really relevant in terms of it's available for you whenever you'd like to see it. And whenever it is you'd like to rewatch it or come back if you have questions and so on. Um, I, I think that's a point that I'm personally just very excited about, just to be able to kind of like capture it and have it all in one spot and maybe even repurpose it for other uses, as you mentioned with the welcome back packet, or excuse me, the welcome wagon packets. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I, I think I might have to institute a virtual one of those as well, because when we are thinking about ways that we can just modernize our classroom, I think that one of the things that we're really getting at with trying to come up with this hybrid approach is it's going to make sure that it meets people where they are whenever they are which is great but it's also going to be more of a personal introduction to you to the course than something that's just on a static piece of paper
1: and yes
0: and that is One of the things that I wanted to achieve with the welcome wagon thing was to make sure that students felt like they belonged and felt that they had the stuff that they needed. And why not put it in video form, which is kind of just what we're doing here.
1: I'm feeling a QR code coming in somewhere, Danielle.
0: (laughs) Oh yes, well, if you were thinking to yourself, how is it that I am going to be saving this paper and still directing my parents to a syllabus? I would absolutely have parents use a QR scanner that would be you know projected nicely in my classroom for when we do have this hybrid model and those who are in person can just easily go right to wherever I'm pointing them to and it'll kind of let them experience a little bit of what it's like to be in my classroom.
1: And I imagine Knowing you, it's not just a place for them to find the syllabus to download on their phone, but it's also a way for you to ask for their contact information if they're willing to share. It's also a way for you to maybe even do a quick survey from them. (laughs) There's a lot lot there. And I think that it's another great example of the way to make that hybrid model work. Mm -hmm. I, I absolutely love it. I can't get enough.
0: If there is some sort of technology that you use in your classroom all the time, maybe you use Pear Deck. I've been a huge fan of Pear Deck since we started remote instruction. I found it incredibly useful and I certainly um, think of it as one of those tools that I'm going to take back with me no matter what fall entails and what comes after fall. And I would be able to actually make a Pear Deck for the parents. They'll be able to go ahead and just, you know, experience class the way that their kids experience class. I'll be able to start them off with a do now, and a poll, and then a cute little link right on over to that syllabus so they have it on their device. I can see it all coming together and I couldn't be more pumped about it.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. And that's why you and I put on the best PD because we understand that adult, kid, whoever, if you, yeah. you get the full experience, actually experiencing the tech from the student perspective is the most important. And typically, the most effective way of actually teaching something so.
0: Also, I feel like this is especially important in the current climate and current environment. I feel like a lot of students are saying they don't understand the technology or they don't know how to use it or whatever. If the parents have experienced it, that excuse doesn't really hold much much weight there. Yeah, and if there are technologies that you use in your classroom all the time, but they require some sort of login that your parents won't have, obviously you don't want to like add another level of complication to your hybrid or virtual back to school night. Um, so in that situation you can tell them, this is one tool that I use, I often use this, and maybe you can have a screenshot of it so that way they can feel that experience still, And one of the things that I do make sure I tell them when I see them in person is what logins their students will need so that way they know how many passwords and things the students will need to be responsible for in charge of. Um, Because I know that that's a question I end up getting if I don't directly address it from a parent later on. Johnny is trying to sign in to whatever this particular tool is and he can't. I don't understand why and she sends me some information I'm like yes, but that's not his password for that particular platform. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. The stories go on and on. I couldn't couldn't agree more. But speaking of the different logins and different resources that we use all throughout the year, a big question and a big point that I think a lot of teachers intend to make on that first kind of meet and greet is Mm -hmm. giving parents access or not quite access, but an introduction to what the tools are, that they're familiar enough and they understand what either might need to be logged in or what actually might need to be purchased if it's not a popular expense. Mm -hmm. And in having all of this, not just on a single piece of paper that will likely get tossed to the backseat of the car on the way home from back to school night. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's either in a QR scan format, which is directly on your phone, or it's located on your online platform, whatever you might be using. And all that information stays there and it can be revisited and it can be updated and so on and so forth. And having that direct link will only... Decrease the amount of issues, in in my opinion. I have seen it. I've experienced it. I mean, having my parents access my Google Classroom has made a world of a difference. Just giving them direct access to exactly what I'm directing my students to tell them, which is not happening.
0: (laughs) And even making sure that they have the direct link to that particular text. As an English teacher who teaches classic texts, having everybody have the same edition of something makes life much smoother. Um, Obviously, I have no problem with, and I tell my parents this, I tell my students this, if you have a copy of Fahrenheit 451, I don't care if you have your dad's copy of Fahrenheit 451, we will figure it out. But in terms of, you know, logistics, it will be easier if I say page 45 and he's also on page 45 right away. Um, So being able to embed the links for the exact edition or whatever it might be. Super useful.
1: Super useful. And a kind of a fun consideration here. With all of the great tools and accessibility that we have, we love the opportunity to stand out. We love the opportunity to make things unique. And of course, we have to shout out our friend, Shayna of Hello Teacher Lady, who does this so exceptionally well. And there are so many other teachers who are taking it upon themselves to either create TikToks, to create Instagram videos, reels, and so on, demonstrating the way that they're making their LMS really personal and exciting yeah. through the use of emojis. Maybe it's even a video they've recorded of themselves. The the options are limitless. Of course making sure everything's appropriate and okay by your school is number one, sure. <laughs> but being able to stand out from the crowd is something that I'm personally really excited about because I know that that personal touch is something that my students really appreciate and are drawn to for our tech savvy teachers. Like they kind of expect it, like they they want that, they're looking for that. So to be able to offer that to our parents, I think is huge.
0: Yeah. And one of the side benefits for us, obviously it's going to help us kind of offer a different back-to-school night experience in a very positive way, I think. I think it'll have parents leaving the classroom thinking that they've never really had an experience quite like this before, but what's great as a a perk for us is it actually removes a lot of the pressure. Yeah, back to school night.
1: Oh my gosh. I couldn't agree more. You're talking about all the factors, of course, the late arrivals, the pen, the questions, the person who's lost, right? All of these things that we're responsible for, you know, being up in the front of the room, but also handling all of those things at the same time. It's a lot. It, I think that's why it's so stressful. The amount of times i heard people say, I can sing and dance in front of kids, but I can't do it in front of parents, right? The stress just is so so high so this is just really going to decrease that.
0: And that one of the things that I think really makes that pressure even higher are those time constraints that you have to deal with and even if you are thinking about okay well if I am going to make a video for some sort of like hybrid thing I don't plan on playing the video when I'm in person and I probably wouldn't do that either, but then you aren't rushing when you see that you have 35 seconds left in order to tell them about those four other things that they really need to purchase for their kids as they're walking out the door.
1: So guilty of this, I'm so guilty <laughs> of this. Oh my gosh, I couldn't agree more. So all of these things have really gotten me kind of hyped. I <laughs> mean, thinking about all of the, the normal ways that I'm stressed out, which the list goes on and on about back to school night and just the, the eyes on me, just the whole thing. <laughs> And I feel like with this list, and we really could add more, and I'm sure we'll think of more once we go through it ourselves, it's, it's really helped to change the mindset when it comes to back to school night. And I hope that those that are listening are, are getting that sense as well. So now it comes down to, well, okay, we've got it all covered in terms of what exactly you know we're so excited about and how to change our mindset and how to really make the most of the fact that there are less distractions. So now it's a question of what do we actually cover in this Zoom recording in this online format, whatever that might look like for your school.
0: And let's start with how to record. So if your school uses Zoom, it would make sense to also use Zoom. That way there's the direct experience that the students experience, right? Because of course we want to replicate it. If you are either a school district that's not using Zoom, or maybe Zoom is just like not your thing, I love using Loom. If you attended our Total Teacher Summit, you do in fact know Loom because a number of our presenters use this amazing tool. One of my favorite things about Loom, your face can be <laughs> on the screen in a little bubble instead of the entire screen. And figuring out how to navigate the like picture in picture afterwards and like iMovie or something is needlessly complicated. Let Loom take care of it. It's so much better. And it's, it's a great be- free tool. <laughs> it's
1: a free tool. And the amount of feedback that we got from our speakers about this who mm-hmm. are just like totally, blo- first of all, you introduced me to that and We've since introduced it to so many other people.
0: Oh, other people. And they love
1: it. The feedback is always super positive.
0: You gotta see if there's an affiliate link. We're we're missing it out here. I, I need to take Erica's advice and look into if there's an affiliate link. And if there's Erica. not, it doesn't matter. We're still gonna sing the praises of both Erica's philosophy and how great Loom is. So it all works out.
1: Um, Erica, if you're listening, we're trying.
0: <laughs> we're trying, we're trying, we're making strides. Uh, we, we are totally taking notes. Um, but yeah, Loom is great. And for those that don't know, um, you don't need to actually host the video. Loom will continue to host it for you. You just have a link that you can send out, which makes life so much easier, um, instead of trying to then upload the file to Google Drive or wherever else. Um, and there's a really, really easy editor directly embedded into Loom. So that way, when you're trying to, like, um... Queue up your presentation at the beginning, and you just want to delete those fifteen seconds. You could do it in like three clicks. It's great.
1: Chop chop. It's perfect. <laughs> so that answers our question of how do we actually record, or what do we record on? I think that's a big question, and of course, going based off of the guidelines of your school is number one. But if you're looking to get creative with it, and some other alternatives, Loom is a great one. We'll make sure to link that. And, then and- you know,
0: number of schools are suggesting using Loom.
1: Great, great. That's, that's awesome. And they should.
0: <laughs> yes, without a doubt.
1: And with that, we yep. want to consider what are we actually talking about in this video? So, of course, an introduction is number one, but we want to make sure that as much as we're doing our best to make sure that we kind of drown out all the other noise that goes along with this, we want to provide our parents with as much content that's valuable to them, what they would normally be seeking on a back-to-school night. So the traditional topics that your school asks you to cover, that you in your department have covered, so on and so forth. And the part that you and I, Danielle, we talk about this a lot, the intro, the the quick intro about ourselves is usually the part where it just, it's yep. not my favorite thing, but it's something that parents, guardians, everyone is looking for. Who are you? Why are you qualified to teach my child? Yep. <laughs> And uh, that's an important piece, even if it's not the most comfortable thing and lucky for you, you can record it over if you you don't really like how it comes out the first time. So that introduction is really important and providing that personalization is also number one. That's a great way to start things off and kind of giving your background the topics that we typically discuss, and at least in my back to school nights, I really go through the syllabus step-by-step and break it down for them. I also like to provide a lot of examples. So I'll end up taking photos or videos of previous student work. We've talked about that in the past as well, trying to demonstrate what our students have done. But a lot of these things, it you know, having everything online lends itself to being able to show evidence, video content, being able to show off student work in a way that you normally wouldn't be able to. I'm a tra- I was a traveling teacher yep. in terms of moving to different classrooms, and to be able to drag around student work with me was just not an option on top of the all the other stuff going on. So the fact that this will all be available online provides a ton of leverage, and I'm definitely going to make use of that.
0: So who you are, your syllabus, and you're kind of like teaching philosophy, right? Like what you value in terms of your classroom, what you are looking for, and I think that when you were mentioning examples of student work, I think that I like to make sure that I'm talking about that in terms of the kind of like biggest, scariest things that I know will be covered in my course during the year. If you've been listening to our podcast for some time, you know that I have the pleasure of teaching a research paper every year. And that is something that parents and students alike tend to cringe at when they hear the length of the research paper. So in order to kind of give them a heads up so that way they know when that's happening, what students might be feeling, um, what we are doing in order to prepare leading up to that so that way they don't think it's happening in a bubble, all that great context I think is important. And if we're thinking about, you know, our, video that we are using as our introduction for those who can't make it, need to rewatch watch whatever. Um, I think a classroom tour makes so much sense. You talked about being a traveling teacher and not being able to show off all the work. Um, here, in terms of 2020, what your classroom's physical space might look like, eh? don't know. Um, you might want to include that because that might be a reassurance to parents in years that are not 2020 and not affected by this. Again, you're just kind of showing the like personal touches or maybe even the elements of the classroom that really kind of like stand out about how you're trying to make student wellness a top priority. Um, We have a interview that we have recorded with a behavioral specialist. She talks a little bit about like having a calm down kit. If you have tools in your classroom that you utilize and want to make sure that parents are aware of, I would make sure that that's included in the, in the tour.
1: I absolutely love that. And just one quick thing that popped into my head, not related to the classroom tour, but something that I find parents really respond to really well. And I'm thinking of now adapting it to the digital space. Yeah. Um, they love to see the the road of a student, or in other words, like future yeah. goals for students. And not just in terms of what they can expect, you know, the different levels of your class, so to speak, but also what kids are doing outside of high school, maybe some College graduate stories or other career-related things. I know that um, I've been fortunate enough to have students want to previous students who wanted to share that information, which is made for a nice conversation with my parents. But I'm just thinking, even you know, getting permission from them, some of like the photos and things that they've shared or stories could even add that additional dimension. I just think that could be a really nice touch, and and uh, you know, everyone is forward-thinking at this time, trying to think of future goals. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, that's so nice. And I, I think that really what that gets to is that you are making sure that you are taking parents along the journey for the long haul with you, right? Um, you're showing them that you are committed to their child's education right now in the immediate future and all the way through the long-term future. You plan to set them up for success. And I feel like right now, many parents are feeling a lot of, you know, concern about whether or not their child is going to fall behind based on what instruction has to look like because of the current health situation in, in our country, in the world. And I think that, you know, making sure that the parents see the big picture and what's possible is just one more way that you're kind of showing we are in this together and they they're, they're going to get there don't don't worry about it they will
1: absolutely and especially on the heels of the research paper and you know other other major obstacles that might feel like yeah. obstacles at the time i think that's a really great way to frame it and of course you know we are at a time in the school year where there are a lot of questions and a lot of questions that are left unanswered and for those that are thinking about in a situation where they are on camera with parents and maybe are worried about some questions that might come up or th- or even just concerns questions that they haven't anticipated responses for. Um, of course, reassuring that you as the educator are doing what you can, but a rule of thumb that I always like to consider when I feel like I'm in the hot seat of sorts is just don't always feel like you have to respond to everything right in that moment. Having a chance to regroup, Talk to the expert at your school, whoever it is that's that point person, I think is really helpful. I know that that's a lot of, um, that's fuel for a lot of anxiety for teachers right now is feeling like they're um, in a position to have to defend decisions about education and, and the choices that they're making in their classrooms, especially when we're doing what we can and everyone's in, in the same boat at this time um, in terms of what we don't know and, and all of that. So I won't, I won't continue to blabber on, but what I'm trying to say is for those that are feeling like they're just nervous about that piece of it. Mm -hmm. Just always think about that as being um, a nice way to deescalate any situation, just wanting to get back to respond to whatever kind of question might come up.
0: And what's crazy is when students ask us a question that we might not have the answer to readily available or we don't have the way that we want to make sure that gets formulated readily available, I think strong teachers know that they can take a beat and say, like, I'll get back to you on whatever, and then explain how that you're going to do that. And obviously, the same is true of the situation. But again, back to school night feels different when you have parents sitting in the room versus students. And part of, I think, de escalating the situation is trying to make sure some of it doesn't have to come up in an adversarial kind of way by talking about what your plan is if you suddenly need to pivot. This is what we're doing in the physical classroom, and this is how it looks in the virtual classroom, whether that's half of the class, the whole class, whatever it may be. So I think sometimes just showing that you have a plan first will eliminate at least some of those parental concerns and questions.
1: Well said. And our last piece here is, of course, the real... The real purpose of parents and guardians joining us at back to school night is explaining the point of view of a parent, right? A parent is there to be the point person or or the support at home, right? So in interacting with the teacher, wherever that might take place, being able to provide as many resources or options for how the parent is able to help the student, or in other words, help the teacher, right? Everyone is working towards the same goal. And I think that that is a point that, of course it's understood, and that's why the parents show up after their job or after you know, dinner is waiting for them at home or, or so on. But I think that actually drawing attention to that and making a point of really articulating, you know, here are the ways that I think we could work together or however that might look for you, of course, it all differs, but I, I find that that's a point that parents really respond well to, and it just helps to, again, drive home the point of, of why they're sitting in those seats or why they're tuning into your session tonight, because no matter what questions they might have about specifics with your curriculum or the specifics in regards to the school year and what's going on, it's a matter, it's the fact that they've shown up to, they've shown up for their student and you're doing the exact same thing. So being able to really make that connection is huge.
0: Yeah. The parents want to be helpful but sometimes they don't know the right way to do that and so if left to their own devices that might not set up the best relationship with you right Is either they're going about it by calling you when your preference is that they email you for example or maybe it's just we talked about this i think way back in the episode we did about why students think they're studying when they're not actually studying. um, Sometimes parents too don't know how to support their student Um, and it might be specific to the discipline and they just feel maybe the student is taking Spanish and the parent has never taken Spanish and they're like, oh, I just don't know. I, I can't possibly help out with that. But giving parents tools for how to support their child, I think is so incredibly useful and something that the parents are going to feel more confident in themselves. I, I know that I feel like the word homeschool is being thrown around a lot right now and meaning a lot of different things. Um, But I think going back to Kara's episode, I think she does a great job of making sure that parents understand what their role is in the educational process. So actually thinking to yourself beforehand, what, you, what you'd what you like to see in the perfect relationship um, with the parents that you're trying to build is a, a step that you don't want to overlook when planning for your back to
1: school night. Beautifully said. Puts a nice bow on all that there is to cover. And so much of this I think is, once you've done it a few times, you start to understand the way that th- these things go, but I think that it, it serves as a great reminder as to how things, how the update to the way that we are showing up for our students and our parents has led us to re examine a lot of the procedures that we're normally going through. Yeah, I think that really trying to to reframe these things. And I hope that by listening to this, everyone's starting to maybe make that reframe for themselves, because I certainly am. There's a lot to be excited about in terms of a, a hybrid model for back to school and interacting with parents and welcoming parents into your community.
0: I guess I got to go and yeah, start start making my, my plans for my virtual back to school night video.
1: Can't wait to see your emoji dance, Danielle.
0: <laughs> oh, I will make sure I, I that's, that's happening. That's going to happen.
1: <laughs> Love it.
0: If you'd like to learn more about us and the services that we offer, head to everything.com.